Volume One, Chapter Three of Mrs. Armitage or Female Domination by Mrs. Gore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter Three. My blood hath been too cold and temperate, unapt to stir at these indignities, and you have found me, for accordingly you tread upon my patience. Shakespeare it was arthur armytage's misfortune that the london letter-bag arrived at holywell at so early an hour as eight of the clock it was his fault that he selected a moment equally matinal for his conference with his mother before her displeasure of the night had been soothed down by a single drop of mild balmy benignant sorrow and collar soothing bohere he chose to make his way into her dressing-room and unburthen himself of his secret poor fellow he had been made such an idol by the whole tribe of baltimore during his recent courtship that he was unprepared to fancy he could be in the wrong elsewhere but he was fated to be roughly undeceived sophia who with a beating heart saw her mother and brother descend into the breakfast-room together and take their seats at the table perceived in a moment from a certain compression of her mother's lips and from the brilliant crimson peeping through the tangled masses of arthur's rich brown hair just where his small well-turned ear was partially visible that both were labouring under the effects of suppressed passion she was too well acquainted with arthur's rightness of mind to apprehend for a moment that he had forgotten himself towards his mother but she did fear tremblingly tearfully that mrs armytage had been seized with one of her fits of implacability and thrown down the gauntlet to her son what was to be done and how was peace to be restored between them by nature petulant the character of mrs armytage of holywell had been rendered arbitrary by circumstances the only daughter of a wealthy high-principled high-tempered english squire whose sister had been reduced to beggary by a spendthrift husband and as he insisted chiefly on account of her own ignorance and carelessness of business caroline maudsley had been brought up by her father precisely as he was bringing up charles whose premature death left her heiress to the fine estate of holywell she was taught to ride to run to settle with the steward and housekeeper to parley with the farmers to dispute with the tax-gatherers a little latin and a great deal of arithmetic bounded her accomplishments of music she knew nothing except as an art whose professors might be hired for her entertainment or of dancing except as an exercise far less invigorating than a gallop in the wolds law and theology blackstone and tillotson were the studies inculcated by her preceptor the curate of the parish and it was perhaps attributable to the surprise with which the good old man found himself suddenly transformed into the pedagogue of a beautiful girl of fifteen that his spiritual pastorship was so insufficiently exorcised in curbing the peremptoriness of her disposition he discerned in the mind of his pupil a fund of sound and sober sense and doubted not that it would in time avail to reform her faults of character but alas there is no point on which the reaction of the mind operates so slowly and imperfectly as on the infirmities of a wilful temper 
caroline maudsley therefore grew to woman's estate and was still positive still ungovernable yet neither squire nor curate could detect a fault in her it had been the long-planned project of her father to unite his beautiful heiress with the head of another branch of his family sir john maudsley of maudsley hall but at nineteen caroline announced a decided preference for the son of her father's old schoolfellow arthur armitage a less dignified but more attractive suitor and the old gentleman according to his custom eventually submitted to her will nay he soon began to participate in his daughter's affection for his estimable son-in-law and it was generally considered that nothing but old maudsley's sudden death a few years after their marriage had prevented the remodification of a will by which he left the whole of his property at the separate and absolute disposal of his daughter willingly would mrs armytage have resigned her authority to her husband for she was of a generous disposition not yet confirmed into the love of sway but armytage would not hear of it the estate could not be better than in her hands for even his own small property of a thousand a year gave him more trouble in the management than suited his reckless habits he devoted himself accordingly to hunting fishing shooting eating and drinking without much care for the estate or the morrow and died on the field not of glory but of fox-hunting killed by a fall from his horse at the early age of eight-and-twenty and thus his young widow became sole arbitress of the destinies of his children a very trifling accession to the authority she had exercised as his wife caroline never married again perhaps because she honoured the memory of so subservient a husband perhaps because she fancied that no other human being would be content to eclipse himself in the shadow of her talents and her virtues she fancied that the sacrifice for she had many and advantageous suitors was made to the interests of her children and to do her justice she was a prudent and affectionate mother while their tender years admitted not the apprehension of their opposition to her autocracy at holywell nothing could be happier than the union of the little family so long as the arbitrary tendencies of mrs armytage's temper were restricted to the management and legislation of her dependents and country neighbours a task indeed which afforded her ample employment from the period of her husband's untimely end she had never suffered the hounds to traverse her territories and this prohibition in a sporting county and from the daughter and widow of sportsmen involved her in endless disputes electioneering too brought its squabbles and mrs armytage who knew that the holywell rents had never been raised during the agrarian extortions of the trumpeting time of war had no idea of lowering them after the example of her less liberal neighbours during the piping times of peace in short she had a will of her own in the county and in a county so wide and so various in its interests as yorkshire it is much easier to have a will and to maintain it than in such provinces as harts or hunts where every public opinion is traceable to the influence of hartfield or hinchinsbrook the lady of holywell whose throne was fixed in her own domain from christmas to midsummer as well as from midsummer to christmas 
and who was consequently exempt from the fashion-hunting meanness of party-giving or going manoeuvres was perhaps too sturdy in her sense of independence disgusted by the servility she observed in the wemmersleys of mill hill and others of her country neighbours she prided herself on keeping up a surly sense of dignity with her neighbour lord rotherham merely because he was an earl there might perhaps have been virtue in her ungraciousness towards the noble inhabitants of greta castle had lord and lady rotherham affected the transcendent self-exaltation exhibited by the family of the duke of spalding resident at the other side of the county but lord rotherham was the simplest-hearted and most straightforward of men while his lady knew nothing and cared for nothing but the registry of ages misery and ailments of her ten children so that the majesty of mrs armytage's hauteur was completely thrown away but for some time past her manners if not her feelings had considerably thawed towards the family her son at eton and oxford was the chosen friend of young lord greta lady laura the only one of the girls grown up was not to be repulsed in her attachment to sophie armytage and in the end the lady of holywell found it impossible to keep up the defensive barriers of coldness and reserve she had erected against the advances of her noble neighbours besides her authority had already ample exercise in restraining the turbulence of her son arthur was now grown into a fine young man with a head and heart glowing with impetuosity and a struggle for mastery soon arose between them mrs armytage among her masculine propensities cherished a strong sturdy wholesome ambition she felt that her son in his heirship to fifteen thousand a year possessed a stake in the country entitling him to pretend to a place in its representation and in order to add the qualifications of mind to those of body and estate it was her desire that on leaving college he should address himself to the study of the law but arthur was inflexible he was willing enough to promise to come forward at some future time for the neighbouring borough of thoroton for he thought franking letters would be devilish good fun and had a project of his own about firming the mail roads which he should thus have an opportunity of bringing before parliament but as to studying in the temple he arthur armytage the gayest man of christchurch the man whose bills with milton hudson and baron stoltz might on attaining his majority have added a farm to his estate but the thing was preposterous his cronies dumbarton and lord edward brereton were gone into the lifeguards and into the lifeguards he must go of age and competent in fortune there was no resisting this determination and mrs armytage unenlightened by london seasoning touching the habits and recommendations of his majesty's household brigade and measuring the pretensions of this gallant corps into which her son had written himself down a cornet by those of certain regiments of the line quartered aforetime in her neighbourhood could by no means reconcile herself to his outburst of heroism she hated the notion of a son of hers galloping after the king's coach or wasting his days lounging out of a window in whitehall and arthur whose limited fortune was already impaired saw that there was not the slightest chance of the enlargement of his means by any concession from his mother's liberality 
she purchased for herself a new set of bays on the day of his presentation at court but vouchsafed not to add so much as a charger to his outfit braving the imputation of parsimony for the satisfaction of marking her displeasure and now after thwarting her in the choice of a profession this only son was about to thwart her in the choice of a wife he to whom she had so often expressed her disapproval of early marriages was about to throw himself away on a girl without fortune without family or rather with a family but there was no use in discussing the subject arthur had proposed been accepted and admitted his engagements to his mother all he had to do now was to sit in patient humility and watch her working her deliberate way through her breakfast with a degree of gravity becoming a chancellor of the exchequer in the examination of his treasury accounts and then back to london back to baker street back to marian with what appetite he might poor sophie meanwhile trembling with anxiety to learn the issue of his private conference with her mother kept mistaking tea for coffee and coffee for tea in her presidency over the duties of the table auguring ill from the obstinate silences of mrs armytage yet dreading to hear the sound of her voice scarcely a word passed between them during the continuance of the meal it was not till simmons and the newspapers arrived and his mistress received from his hand no fewer than five letters all of which as arthur rightly conjectured bore reference remote or proximate to his marriage that she rose in all the rustling dignity of her cordonaple and indignation to quit the apartment i conclude you will immediately return to london said she to captain armytage as she reached the door as you are of age and independent i fancy my signature will be needless in your marriage settlements if i am mistaken let me hear from messrs pennett and nibwell hardywood is waiting for me in the study so that i shall not see you again before you quit the house good morning good morning mother answered her son in as pacific a voice as he could command but feeling deeply bitterly that the kindness and watchfulness of four-and-twenty years were already obliterated from his mind by the display of such repellent reserve at so eventful a moment of his existence had it not been for the soothing influence of his good and gentle sister he might perhaps have been tempted to indulge in expressions of resentment only more fatally injurious to his future prospects but sophie implored him to forbear and who could resist the mild persuasive voice of sophie armytage End of volume one, chapter three